to me, my X-Men. Hold on a minute. Is this a Marvel movie? Oh, it's not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, well, this is Geek Soup. We're here reviewing Freaks. It's a um, a wonderful film, and well, that we found on Netflix. Uh, my name's Stu. I'm here with Rich, and once again, we're here to give this one the review it deserves. <laughs> that was great, except you said it's Geek Soup. <laughs> it's geek. Oh, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well done. I'll start. I'll start the. I'll start yeah, the recording that. again. Hold on, I'll stop there. Okay, yeah. let me stop here. What's this stupid thing doing? Hold on. Stop, stop. It's literally, I'll just carry on. It's literally not letting me stop the recording for some reason. <laughs> yeah, just carry on. Yeah, okay. To me, my X-Men. This is a Marvel movie, right? Oh, it's not. Oh, Faye doesn't release the X-Men by stealth. Okay, uh, well, we're still reviewing Freaks. Uh, this is Geek Bites. It's me and once, well, me, Stu, once again joined by Rich, and we're here to give this movie the review it deserves. Definitely. Uh, yeah, good good intro, man. Definitely a similar kind of vibes. I was getting very X-Men style. Uh, so, yeah, American-Canadian version, if you like. Um, yeah, there's very much some superhero films in there that uh, it reminded me of. We'll get on to that. But, yeah, so... Yeah, you know, there's elements of the X-Men, isn't there? There's elements of kind of meta-humans from DC Universe. Um, and a bit, a bit of Code 8 for a good measure, because that was another Canadian-American thing, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Of course, Robbie Amell gets another shout-out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's one of our um, regulars. It seems like we've <laughs> kind of got common themes and common actors. But yeah, he's not in this one, by the way, just in case you get excited, anyone. Um but yeah, it's, it's one of those films where, I, you know, like just a description on Netflix kind of won me over. I was like, oh, this sounds good. And then so we started watching it and I was just like, hold on a minute. This is. Yeah. But anyway, I'll get on to that. But um, have you got a one yeah. second review before I go into my my how my train of thought whilst I was watching this film? Yeah, I mean, well, first, interesting you mentioned about the description on there because it was very, um, very light on description. It kind of set out what was there in kind of like the. I mean, the first five, ten minutes of the film kind of covered that, um, and then it just went completely different and very, um, very different from, well, not different from what you're expecting because it kind of didn't really give you any expectations, but it just kind of um, went. It escalated. Yeah, escalated. Yeah, you know, took in, like we say, some kind of superhero elements, you know, some kind of warped reality elements, um, you know, slowly revealed bit by bit and you know i said i said at the end of um our last episode if you're going to watch this film just watch it with a completely um tabula rasa blank slate um and if you you know you'll enjoy it a lot more because that's certainly what i did i just watched it because you said i should watch it i was like okay um and yeah i didn't really look too much up about it um and yeah it was one of those films that was a lot lot better for it um one sentence review uh, I mean you've kind of already touched on the fact that it's very X-Men you know it pull, so my one sentence is it pulls in a lot of superhero tropes uh, but without being overkill and it's a very small scale story which hints at a very large scale world Ooh, I like that one it's you've kind of ticked all the boxes there um, yeah it's yeah I mean I can't really build on that so I'll just say mine and we'll get past it but mine's a film about mutants that are hated and feared that felt more like X-Men than the Fox movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was almost it was almost like kind of like they were the very um Z list X-Men, kind of like the the few X-Men that appeared in Deadpool. They were like X-Men that no no one had heard of. Well, yeah, these, I mean, what, these ones were kind of like the the fourth string X-Men as well, almost. Yeah, but I mean, what, what I was getting from it was the fact that you know they they were living in hiding, they were living uh, beneath the law. You know, it was kind of they were worried about their family, worried about you know all this stuff. And it's kind of like you know in some of the X Men's comics before it went a bit weird, it was very much about this: they're outsiders, they're on the, the fringes of society. You know, the one you know, imagine the mutants that aren't members of the X Men, so aren't you know, front and centre of mutants that are just living there, trying to live a life whilst they're being persecuted. And that's kind of the vibe I got from this. Mm. Yeah. I mean, those kind of early X, I mean, kind of, I'm kind of going to briefly hate on X-Men for a minute. I've oh, never yeah. Quite got, I've never quite got into them. And I think partly that was, you know, you've mentioned there how X-Men is all about kind of, or it was all about kind of people outcasts on the fringes of society. And I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's me. Yeah, I'm such an outcast in my teenage years, whatever. But, <laughs> um, 
in a way kind of everyone's that like that and it's something about our kind of the, it's part of, it's almost the act of growing up in in the 21st century or the late 20th century as we did um and it's almost partly it's part and parcel of it to feel like you're an outsider as such and it's almost like everyone feels like they're an outsider so actually you're just an insider feeling like that and i was kind of i always felt a bit like well if everyone loves this for that reason everyone's just kind of like been fallen for it been duped um because if everyone feels that way no one's actually an outsider um so but that was that was why i never quite got into the x-men to some degree um I, it was kind of a, the, the fandom the fandom is what annoyed me Oh, right. So, you know, it's just strange that we're friends, really. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, because I was like an <laughs> yeah, uber. Kind of, I was like just a, took it in opposite directions, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I was like an uber fan from, you know, in the comics from when I was a kid. And that was kind of, you know, my, I, you know, I was interested in the animated series. And then when the sort of, I found a comic in my local newsagent, it was issue one of the collector's edition. And this was in 1996. And I bought it and I was collecting it nonstop, basically since then until now. Well, there was a few stops in between then and now, but I went and filled in the gaps. So basically I've been collecting this thing on and off since then. Um, you know, and I, I basically hate them now. Uh, but I still feel obliged to buy them just because one day they might oh, become good again. For time's sake. Yeah, it was basically Chris Claremont was really good, um, a writer on there. But I think the reason why, you know, originally they had um, Charles Xavier and Magneto, and Xavier was like uh, Martin Luther King, and Magneto was meant to be Malcolm X. That's, that's what they were going for it. So it's oh, like they okay. both. Yeah, they both, both had views on how mutants and wider society should live together. One of them was quite extreme and one of them was kind of about, you know, engagement. Uh, and that's where that sort of parallel and dichotomy or whatever come from. Um, so, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. But anyway, this isn't an X-Men review. Um, yeah, even though, yeah, but yeah. So, I mean, what were your general impressions of it, Rich? Uh, I mean, just the way you kind of like, you, there's so many clues that, and it's almost like, the clues are laid down so well that you can almost, you know, I actually feel like I managed to figure out what was going on just before they explained it each time. Like, and that's, that's the sign of really good film like this, the way they can hint at things, but give you enough hints that you can slowly figure out what's going on. And then you can figure out for yourself just before they confirm it. Like for example, about um, Emil Hirsch's character, how he can control time. Like every now and then, like when he woke up or when he lost consciousness, you could just see this wave expanding out from him or coming back into him. Oh, and I didn't see that one. You think, <laughs> then you kind of see like when she's looking out and he's awake, you can see like all the birds flying really slowly. And at that point I was like, well, are they in some sort of force field or whatever? But then obviously, it, there's the big reveal when he basically does explain that yeah she's and like when she visits her mother she's like how have you aged like so much in um when it's only been three months or whatever it's because he's uh, speeding up time in their own little bubble isn't he um yeah, yeah. stuff like that um and you know the slow revelation of how she actually has like firstly mind control powers basically telling anyone to do whatever they want you know first the fact that she manages to get the girl across the street to bring her an ice cream and you think she's just hoping for it but then it's not until later on that you realize she was actually affecting her and like you don't get that big reveal until he's trying to hand her off on onto the people across the street and say and then she's like oh love me love me love me and she's like ah oh i love you ah stuff stuff like that i just think it's it's so difficult to get right that when you see a film that does get it right, it's one of the most satisfying things to sit and watch, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think when I was watching this, I had a similar satisfied feeling. It was kind of like, you know, this is a film that's been done really well. Like, you know, and all of the clever stuff, like the fact that he managed to age her like 12 years or no, eight years or whatever in a matter of four months because of his superpower. And it was just like, that's really clever. Who would have thought of that? You know, even from a writing standpoint, that's kind of, that's the next level type thing. And then, you know, the, the girl was a bit of a do-sex machinery in it. She could basically accomplish anything. But then there yeah, still yeah. seemed to be limits within what she could do. And, you know, it was very much like, it, you know, like um, in a computer game, it's when I was watching it, I was just like, oh, she's now going to unlock a new power. She's going to level up and do something else. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit of that. So, oh, now she can control people by, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a dummy, you know, like a... Um, on strings or whatever when she gets a security guard and stabs the woman in the eye and all that jazz um, it was it was explained in universe as well as to why she was so powerful like they did say oh if you're children of a 
of super, young yeah. super, is that what they were calling them? Yeah, I think they were, oh, I, I think the pejorative I was freaks, wasn't it? But I think I can't yeah, remember what the official name was. Probably um, but yeah, they were saying, saying the um the children of these people are going to be like, well, they called them weapons of mass destruction. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Didn't they call them empowered? Yeah, like I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, because I think, and that's the weapons of mass destruction thing. It was kind of uh, interesting how you know around, uh, uh, you know, whilst the dad's sleeping and telling the girl not to go out, you know, and the telly was on, and you could see bits about Chicago or whatever that got nuked by one of the freaks, and then you yeah, know yeah. the legislation going on that stopped the freaks. All this stuff's happening that's, around. Uh, it's not clear until it doesn't get revealed until afterwards or later on there was a freak that did that like you do think oh is this a nuclear apocalypse has there been a war between superpowers or whatever um so yeah you don't necessarily figure out or you do think at one point when they're talking about oh are you bleeding from the eyes or whatever you yeah. could think is it like a, a virus or something oh. uh, that's going around um that's the vibe i was getting at first and you know i'm sure that was possibly one of their misdirections that they were going for um which is good, just kind of keeping you in the dark about what's actually going on. You know, could it have been like a virus and did the government have to nuke Chicago or whatever to get rid of the virus? That was how I was possibly reading it at that point. Um, yeah, I think all the way through I was seeing it as, you know, th there was an atrocity which was the fault of freaks and it was basically the government's response to kind of really go down on them hard and send them off to this mountain somewhere. Mm. Um, I mean, it, to be fair, when you see the power levels of them, sort of, it's very, you know, there's a SWAT team or whatever turns up at the end of tooled up to the nines and they couldn't take out three of them. So how the hell did they get like most of the population into this mountain in the first place? But I suppose yeah. they, get, they gave the impression it was very much relocation, a bit like the sort of, you know, or dare I say, it, you know, Germany and Poland or whatever in the 30s and 40s. It's kind of yeah, like, of you know, let's go off and, uh, you know, you're going to live happily in this mountain and then suddenly they kill them at the other end. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of a, that vibe as well. Um, I, think, I mean, with the mountain, I was thinking almost it was kind of like a sanctuary. Like, do you remember in Walking Dead where they ended up at that place called Sanctuary and everyone's saying, oh, come here, it's great. And then it just turned to be cannibals. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that was almost like for me it could have, that could have fit in with the plague or even like maybe even like a zombie thing because you know freaks is often a um freaks is often a term used for zombies as well what it's um it's Last of Us they call them freaks oh okay yeah uh, so, yeah because I that's I, different that's fungus rather than um virus or whatever but yeah yeah <laughs> maybe maybe because you were playing Last of Us at the same time as watching this maybe you kind of had that in your mind about the whole virus thing like yeah. I, that was totally off off my radar I think I was going more from the whole uh was it Code 8 that we watched recently yeah 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 so there was that I mean, there's, there's, the boys stuff in the world going on at the moment that makes me immediately go to virus but yeah <laughs> oh yeah good point yeah I'd forgotten all about that we'd start indoors um but yeah it's um yeah, I don't know it's but uh, I think you know in that whole they, it was really good in terms of how they peppered the world of all these clues as to what was going on like there was posters out there like look for people they look just like us apart from the tear and you know like graffiti about freaks and whatever um so all of that stuff to kind of get people up you know aware of what's going on um but yeah, it's kind of it was a very mind-expanding film. I found like um you know I mean it was to be fair I when I was sort of alluding to earlier when I said like I turned it on I'm like whoa what is this because for the first like 15 20 minutes I didn't really have a clue what genre it was well I still don't know but you really just I, I mean one minute she's going being sent upstairs to a room the next minute there's a spooky woman in the cupboard and that was played very much like a horror film like you didn't know what the hell was going yeah, on yeah yeah. And then you've yeah, got the creepy. Screamed, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So then you've got the creepy old man outside in the ice cream van, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, you're not going. Crazy, you're not, yeah. yeah, you're not going to go down that route, you know. And when she went out, went out there and got in the van with him, I'm like, oh god, I, you know, why am I watching this? Luckily, it didn't go down that route, and he was her granddad. Strangely. For me, with the um, man in the ice cream van, I thought, oh, is this maybe some sort of vector for mind control that the government's sending out? And this is why dad doesn't want to send her out to get ice cream, because that's how they get you or something. I, I, she, I thought it might be a big so many, There's so many different possibilities, but yeah, sorry, I can't. 
Well, he could have been like a figment of her imagination. That's what I thought. Like he he was literally someone she conjured up because she was lonely or whatever, or because she wanted ice cream. So she conjured up an ice cream van man. And when he, when the ice cream van man's driving her around talking about her mum, I'm like, is this quite meta? Has she created someone to tell her about her dead mum? You know, <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, so that was all a bit strange. I mean, he was a weird character in the sense that he was wasn't very particularly likable, was he? I mean, I suppose that was the point. He was kind of not your typical old codger. He was kind of... Um, you know, he wasn't a lovable grandpa. He was basically like a revolutionary that wanted to use her to his ends. Yeah, he was um, almost like an old-style Marxist or something, wasn't it? You can kind of imagine him being like part of the Socialist Workers' Party or something if he was around in these days and kind of like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, that, yeah. That's sort of, out leaflets on Fight the War and all that. Jeremy all that Corbyn. Thing, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah, actually, they did look a bit like him. But it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So there was that whole—I don't know. It's just because basically her dad was keeping her indoors because he wanted to protect her from the outside world. Because, but he didn't—he said that everyone's out to kill you. Everyone else is out to kill. You. He didn't explain why. Surely you should say you've got powers that everyone else doesn't have. That puts I'm you at risk. Sure, I'm not too sure what his long-term endgame plan was. I don't think he had one. I think he was... Well, no, didn't he mention at one point he wanted to get her to see she's old enough so that they could sort of run for the border or some rubbish? You know, like the typical, let's go to Mexico or Canada or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, or was, was he trying to, like, get her to... Well, firstly, he didn't know she had any powers, did he? Um, we, until... I mean, yeah, I mean, but how dumb must he be, really? Like, the fact that yeah. she's... You know, like, I mean, when did you think you, you realised she had powers? Like... Um, I think it would be when um, the girl across the street started saying, uh, when she started um, appearing in people. So obviously you see her visit her mother first, and then you so you discover that it's her mother. Yeah. And, you see, and then you see her, you see the girls across the street coming into her, and they're like, oh, what are you doing here? And then, so that's when I realised that either there was something special about that room, um, but then I realised it's much more likely to be um, that she's got some sort of um, teleportation or force Skype powers. Yeah, poor Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's when I realised. And but when did she first actually bleed? She didn't bleed from her eyes until a bit later on. I think she didn't bleed from her eyes until she put him to sleep. She put her yeah. dad to sleep, didn't she? Um, yeah. And that was um, the first time. That I, I think at that point I was thinking. Still at that point, even when she was out with her grand with her granddad and the police stopped her and she got him to go away. Um, wait, did she bleed from her eyes then? Uh, I don't know, because then uh, you'd have thought that maybe she did, but I, yeah, because you'd have thought that more people around would freak out about it. But anyway, at that point, I was still thinking it was a virus or something, the way the police officer was checking for her eyes and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, oh, but yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's when I realised it was when she was walking through her friend's house or the girl's house. Yeah, but to be fair, like, I mean, there's two, two things to unpack there. One, you know, a beat cop with a flashlight you know you know a beat cop with a flashlight and you've got a potential superhuman standing in front of you so if he does shine a flashlight this is superhuman i mean depending on what the powers are he hasn't doesn't stand a chance really so it's kind of like it's one of those weird ones where like you know what why what was the point of that i suppose it's the same as stop and search it's based on the whole um you know, the power of the police, you know, in terms of societal power as opposed to the physical power of the human being there. You know, because if you've got someone that's bulletproof standing there, why why would he submit to stop and search? If you've got someone that's like immortal, yeah, shoot me in the head, I'll wake up in five minutes later in the morgue. Or got someone that's super fast. I don't know, that was just a bit weird. But also going yeah, back so, to... Yeah, I suppose maybe just the cop who says um maybe he just wants to, he's doing his job and he feels he's a hero for... <clears throat> protecting the civilian population you know he knows that he might well die if he yeah. if he does that but at least he's going to raise the alarm that he is going to out a freak um because you know if you do believe they are weapons of mass destruction or whatever it's like when our police you know when they go and fight the terrorists at london bridge when they've just got a bat on or whatever oh yeah good so, point yeah yeah and uh, yeah it, it's, it's either a potential freak or a potential sex offender and i, I suppose yeah. if it was a sex offender then he could kill it you know it'll be easier to kill him so yeah i mean it may, it's a freak one and it's even worse but um uh, but anyway going back to her powers like surely the dad you know i'm a superpower well i'm a freak my my partner's a freak our daughter's bound to be a freak so when the daughter's like i keep seeing mum i'll oh, shut up it's just like yeah. well 
you know, have a conversation with her and find out what the hell she's on about. But maybe because of the fact that he's half he's asleep half the time, and I don't know whether he lives time regular speed like the outside world or he lives time the inside world it's no it sounds like the inside world isn't it because he said i've been warning you for four years and you're not dead to his wife or something yeah so it's kind of of like so that's probably why he's so tired and can't be bothered to talk to her because i don't know he's kind of been isolated for so long he's lost all the social graces um and maybe yeah the, the absence of being from around his wife or partner or whatever means that any mention of her makes him bitter um Maybe yeah, it was longer than four years when it's like eight years or something. But I don't know. It's just for him, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's but you'd think you know give her the benefit of the doubt, you know, or let's look in the cupboard with her rather than just oh shut up, go away, don't mention her. Um, it, that just I mean I, you know it was good for the plot because you know oh it was only revealed when Grandpa turned up, but um yeah it just felt like the thing know. is as I'm gonna play the card as a parent sometimes yeah. you're just very tired (laughs) and you just don't have time for nonsense and you know if you've been if you've been um awake pretty much straight for eight years i can imagine he just could not be bothered with it to be honest (laughs) (laughs) Um, maybe that's that's maybe that's it he was clearly losing it a bit here's a question actually i thought at the time when he went out to get, or supposedly to get ice cream to get supplies, and he came back and he'd been stabbed, who actually stabbed him? Yeah, I was thinking. I, I literally, when you said, "Here's a question," I was thinking, "Yo, oh, who stabbed him?" But yeah, I don't know because it's not. Or is it a bullet wound? We don't. You know, it's it's not clear. Okay, so. fine. But who who shot him then? Whatever. Who um who inflicted an injury on him? Yeah, because that was because if the world is still relatively normal out there and if he is managing to stay under the radar as a normal person what you just go down to the shops and get stabbed or shot or whatever or did he did he do it to himself is what i'm wondering as why would he have done proof to, oh what to scare her off so you see it is really dangerous whatever um because it was it was obviously a relatively just a flesh wound um he just needed to bandage it up and he was fine um so but I don't know, the way it was staged was like, because he seemed to be going out on the rob all the time, innit? and that's where he got all his money and st- things from. Um, so maybe he was he on the rob. Any, yeah, I suppose he didn't. He wasn't getting it legally, was he? Yeah. yeah, so he was out on the rob, and maybe he got shot in the process of robbing a bank or robbing something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe he's making time move at a certain speed, and a cop gets off a shot and accidentally t- you know, wink dings him or something. I don't know, yeah. it's... Yeah, but to be, it's one of those, you know, like in some films, like if it was like a Star Wars film or an MCU film or some some film I don't, you know, I'm not away. Basically, some films I'd sit there criticising, but like, what does that mean? But this one, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I can live yeah. with it. It kind of, it's, you know, it helps with the plot. Um, this, is, I mean, this is what it's like to be me. <laughs> what do you mean? Just embracing well, it? Yeah, just embracing it, just accepting yeah. it. I've got but, a much lower bar for that than you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, usually I'm just like there, sort of continuity, or what does all this mean? What's the deeper meaning? But yeah, this this film, I think <clears throat> it just got away with it. I was just like, you know, just it was so well done. It's so clever. I mean, to be fair, there's certain bits that were a bit like naff, like the characterization. Some of it was a bit sort of forced, like the girl didn't, you know, the girl just seemed like I didn't really like her character in the sense that she didn't have much agency. Well, she did, but she wasn't very sympathetic, was she? She was just like. You know, she was just going against what her dad said because that's what she wanted to do. Um, she was abusing the girl over the road in a way. She she was like bullying the mum into loving, like the fake mum into loving her. It's kind of like you know, and I suppose you would do it if you've been built, helped indoors by a psychopath. Yeah, like exactly, she's she's like she's like the ultimate abused child who doesn't know how to interact with other humans. So she's just using the cards she's been dealt, which happens to be extreme psych psychological power to um use people um so yeah i don't know i get what you mean that she wasn't a very sympathetic character in one sense but in the other sense i think it's quite realistic that any she's effectively feral you know she's got no idea of societal norms or how to behave or morality um so yeah i think i I think i think i think it was characterized well certainly hard hard to like her but yeah. she's an understandable character yeah so we can hand wave that one away it's kind of yeah <laughs> she, she's not a likable character but she, then again she's a good character like not yeah. good as in a nice character but good as in well developed or whatever yeah, 
yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah, I don't know. It's the granddad was a bit weird, like, but I suppose, like you say, he's a bit mercenary and he's just willing to fight the fight using whatever tools come to him. He didn't even explain the plan to the granddaughter when he just was going to foist her off on that government woman. Um, what was her name? Alan. Yeah, Alan. That yeah. Was, his granddad was Alan. Dad was um, dad was Henry. Yeah, there was a that government woman was an interesting one. Like when she turned up in like a um, you know, like a sort of there was a interview or something, and she's like, oh no, we need we I'd call them uh, abnormals or extra normals or whatever it was, um, you know, and you're like, oh, she might come back into it. And the fact that she then becomes someone that's you know that she met face to face just seemed a bit strange. I was thought Luke that was Boomer, Boomer from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, is that who she was? I knew I recognised yeah. her. Yeah, so. Yeah, but I but I think that was kind of an interesting one, and that was again like the whole like the shield agent turning up sort of thing to sort of you know get them. Um, <laughs> the bit with the whole um, there was a later on when they're sort of having the hostage situation in the house where she's there, the girls there, they're about to psychically save the mum, and um, Grace Parks agent Ray says we've got a, uh, a drone aiming a missile at this house. And it can take you all out. And I'm thinking, there's a guy that can control time. This doesn't mean anything to him, really. That's not really going to stop him. Uh, yeah, though, even then, he barely got out, didn't he? It just shows how far, you know, his time doesn't completely stop time. It just slows it down by, obviously, it's a, a huge magnitude. But the drones travel so fast, he could still only just about outrun it. Like, you saw it coming through the wall, uh, you know, a not ridiculously slow pace. It was kind of like a slow walk pace, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, but, yeah. but, but that's because he was half dead at the time, wasn't it? He had already been shot and we'd assumed he was dead and then he managed yeah. to sort of pull himself up. So I think if he was firing on all cylinders, he might have been all right. Um, you know, it's yeah. kind of, you know, it's probably because the amount of mental capacity required to do different, for, you know, power things, you know. But yeah, I mean, that was a very well done special effect there, wasn't it? With it just folding through the wall, coming after oh, him. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's probably just, where they spent most of their budget, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but that's, but that's the thing, because it was very much just a very, you know, it was low budget in a sense that apart from that, there wasn't much going on. But I don't think it suffered for it. I don't think it was, you know, like the last film we reviewed, the um, 2036 or whatever, that was just low budget and it stank. This one was low budget and it was actually really well done. And I think this was touching on issues that Code 8 was touching on. But again, it was really well done. It's kind of like just it just goes to show what a bit of thought can go into making one of these films great. You know, yeah, a little bit of extra thought, a little bit of extra attention. I think the thing about low budgets is um, generally speaking, it seems that often budgets are blown on sets or locations and the fact that all of these locations one of it was that one you know one it was basically three locations there was there was the crack addict's den that they were living in there was the caves where she was held in and there was um the streets where granddad took her for a drive um and there was the the house across the street as well and the diner but again these are quite pedestrian They're all quite pedestrian yeah. things. Any, anyone can rock up with a film camera in an existing diner. You don't have to build a diner set sort of thing. Yeah, um, to, be honest, to be honest, they probably borrowed it from elsewhere. It looked a lot to me like the uh, diner from Riverdale, to be honest. So maybe it was the same one. <laughs> oh, no, to be, to be fair, they all shoot in the same location. So, yeah, they were probably like, it's on a list of places people shoot. It's probably uh, Vancouver. They all shoot in, it's either Vancouver or Georgia. Uh, it's yeah. Canada, Canadian film is probably Vancouver. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, Riverdale was probably shot in Vancouver as well, actually. So, yeah, it probably is the same place. Yeah, and that explains why, um, well, well, not that one specifically, but that explains why Barry Allen's mum was in it. So she was <laughs> yes. the, she was the sort of, because like, all the way through uh, the main character, Chloe, was like obsessing about the family over the road and like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to go That's live with them. She's going to be my mummy, you know, all that stuff. And then when she does go over there, it's just like, um, right, A, they reject her, and B, you realise it's Mrs... Um, Nora Allen, Barry's mum, yeah. died, died in season one, well, before season one. Um, so that was quite cool. And I think, to be fair, she's got a very maternal feel about her. So it's kind of like, you know, it's well well cast, really. I mean, yeah, and, you know, you could see, obviously, while she was under psychic duress, you could see her definitely playing the loving mother card quite well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, she was obviously very cared a lot for her own daughter and her own husband and family and whatever. And like, you know, and also even when she knocked on the door and says, "Oh, she looks so normal," sort of thing. Yeah. 
all that stuff was kind of like you know you could say oh she would have been a good mum if it hadn't have been pushed on her at the last minute sort of thing and that's because i suppose to give it some uh, context to people the dad character had made a deal with the family across the road that at a certain point he's gonna palm chloe off on them and they're gonna raise her as their own um but because but it was on, on the basis slash expectation that chloe didn't have any powers wasn't a freak which is what ultimately kiboshed the deal or that and the fact it was early but yeah i think the fact that she was a freak that mind controlled the mum and was teleporting the daughter over to room every night was a bit just pushed him over the edge but what i found weird was the fact that the husband was very much still about oh no let's go along with it yeah well let's just take the money and it's just like mm. you know it's it's, 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 it's you know really you'd put your family at risk just for a few you know a few grand every week and yeah. what's to say the bloke's not going to get shot and then your money's got to turn up you're still stuck with the, the girl you know yeah yeah uh, so yeah it's just a bit of a strange one but, when, um, um, when the daughter said oh she comes into my room at night and makes me do things it's like oh talk about the worst way of putting it yeah it's weird wasn't it she went in that was one of the first times she actually saw her use her powers as well it was to say oh, be my mommy be my mommy be my and that was weird and in the end she was just like okay i'll be your mommy but that's obviously just like the psychic um compulsion power as well isn't it but at the time it was just like it was the older girl being okay fine just shut up yeah yeah so yeah that, that's what you thought it was like her just um you know complying or whatever but it wasn't it was actually her being brainwashed into like pretending to like role-playing her mum and giving her a hug or whatever which is all a bit strange it's just a, yeah it's a very i don't know shout out to the bigger uh, beefcake guard in the caves who core he proper managed to play a little girl well didn't he yeah it, uh, yeah he was a very well cast bloke and he was like a big unit when he was like an angry sort of soldier bloke as well um yeah yeah it was a i don't know it's just a film that like you can't quantify i just think it's like hey anyone that's not watched it go out and watch it because it was just a really good film i just can't like usually i just sit here and rip things to shred and that's why I can fill the hour, but <laughs> yeah. like, there is literally nothing to hate. I think it was, you know, I'm, and I think because the ending was like, you know, or they fly off into the sunset, her and her mummy. Uh, well, to and, go and wreak havoc, I think. I was definitely getting some uh, Brightburn vibes. Actually. Yes, yes. That's when I was watching it, I said to Kim, like, oh, you need to watch Brightburn next. And she's like, no, yeah. not if it's anything like this. Like the whole idea, <laughs> they sort of, you know, super powered whatever people like brightburn was bad enough because he was like you know superman an evil superman this is like a woman that can mold reality this is like an evil mr mpliznik or whatever yeah um, but of course some her her mum effectively did seem to have superman-esque powers didn't she basically flying around but also every time she landed or took off anyway she basically caused a big explosion so she was very much like a not evil superman but uh, unwanted superman revolutionary like, superman revolutionary superman yeah. there you go anti-government superman whatever you yeah. want to say yeah. but what i found about weird about the mum is she's like um chloe or alexia or whatever that woman's name is you've got to get me out of here you've got to help me um you know i, I can't use my powers underground and i if she is like a superman type thing obviously she could just smash her way out so i think maybe it flying is her thing but maybe she's only powerful when she flies or something like that so it's like yeah you know, something something along them lines where it's just um yeah it wasn't entirely explained was it maybe she kind of like put them, or maybe she actually gets her power from the open air or something yeah like superman she gets it from the sun yeah yeah so she literally can't fly until she's outside and yeah, yeah she didn't she didn't show any powers in the cave so she definitely didn't have super strength or anything yeah because then it could because there's a character in x-men called cannonball uh and he he sort of goes off like a bullet and basically, whilst he's going off like a bullet, he's sort of super strong, impervious to harm, blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as he stops, he's just regular Joe that just does Kung Fu like the X-Men do. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe it's like that. So she, whilst she's flying, she's impervious to harm, she's super strong, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as she stops, and maybe she can only fly when she's up in the air. So, you know, there's, there's things like that. Um, you read a lot of um, Stephen King, don't you? You're aware of Stephen King. I, I am aware of Stephen King, and yes, I do read a lot of Stephen King. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this reminds me of a Stephen King book, but I can't find the name of the book. There's um, I can't. Basically, I was on holiday once, 
and I found, you know, like they people leave books behind or whatever. I found a Steve King book about some kid that has psychic powers and basically twists to turn around him to do warp things and whatever. And I just can't for the life of me find out what it was, uh, what it is. But that really reminded me. Of, bell, but I can't quite remember it. Uh, yeah, but I've read it. Yeah, but it just makes me think um, think of this because it had the whole same sort of child twisting reality to their own end type thing. Um, but yeah, I can't think. There's one. Huh. Uh, da, da, da. I'm just skimming through a description of a Stephen King book to see if this is the right thing. <laughs> You're skimming through Stephen King's bibliography. That's quite a, uh, quite a long list. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've narrowed it down to a few. No, it's not that one either. No, I'm giving up. But no, it was... Um, yeah, I mean, have you got any more points on um, freaks? Um, so you've got um, I've been reading um, Doomsday, the um, uh, DC Universe slash uh, Doctor Manhattan crossover. Oh yeah. Um, and there's an element of um, or well, not just Doctor Manhattan, the entire Watchmen uh, series. So Vites in it, Rorschach. Um, but yeah, it's kind of very similar stuff to that. Like they've they've got a very similar storyline about how metahumans are the new baddies, and Superman's kind of like in this world that that basically the Watchmen go to Earth Prime or whatever you want to call it, and Superman's basically a uh, everyone loves him. Like he's not just American; the Russians love him as well and stuff. But um, Firestorm actually causes a uh, massive uh, issue. Like turns a load of people into glass because apparently that's one of Firestorm's powers. I don't know, he can transmute people. Um, well, it turns carbon, a load of Russian, Russians into turn, glass. Yeah, carbon turns into glass, doesn't it? It's superheating and we're all basically yeah. made out of carbon. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was that. But he managed to turn them back again after, or at least tried to, but then it all kicked off. Anyway, it was just because I was getting similar vibes to this story um, because it's kind of like how um, how how Superpowered people can often be find themselves on the wrong side of like being hated by people for the unknown. You know, maybe that's similar to X Men and stuff as well, or even kind of like you had the um in Agents of Shield, you had the um Inhumans, didn't you? Who basically had to go off to their own Shangri La and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm only halfway through Doomsday at the moment. Or, uh, it's not even called Doomsday. What's it called? I don't know. Doomsday the, the clock. Doomsday, yeah. yeah, Doomsday Clock, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm halfway through that one, um, so I just wonder if it's going to go a similar kind of way. But yeah, it seems to be quite a common um, common theme at the moment where you do kind of, there is a question about whether uh, the, the super the super people, super-powered people or whatever, in any comic, you know, you had the Sokovia Accords in the MCU as well and stuff, but, you know, every kind of comic story comes around to this point at some, at some point, which is when kind of like the the civilian population or the government kind of cracks down hard on superpowered people, um, whether those are people who have got superpowers or people like, you know, I, you know, Tony Stark didn't actually have any superpowers, but he was still had to sign the accords or whatever. He was part of it um, purely because he had the superpower of having loads of money to be able to build himself loads of suits. Um, so it's, it's almost how, how do, would we define things like that? You know, we see this this story repeat itself in multiple comic universes. What, how do you actually define a super person? Like, is is Lex Luthor a super? Uh, has he got superpowers because he's like really clever? Um, you know, I think to some degree is how do you define if human? The story in most of these is that humanity is evolving to get to the next stage of their evolution. They're getting powers, um, but at what? what point there's going to be incremental steps along that route you know and arguably just people who are either like really tall or really clever or whatever those are the incremental steps um so in the real world that's how it will happen but it's in these uh, in these fictional universes where it's, it's one giant leap and everyone's suddenly like oh no we have to do something about these people um but if it's just incremental like tony stark just being super clever suddenly he's apparently super powered as well and he has to sign sign away his rights or whatever um so, yeah, I don't know, it's difficult. It's kind of like how a frog will let itself be boiled alive if you slowly turn up the temperature. But if you put it straight in boiling water, it will jump back out again. I don't, yeah, don't yeah. know where I'm going with all that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, because that's the thing. I think with the um, the Sokovia Accords and all that jazz, it's anyone that's acting as a hero or whatever. Because basically, when you look at um, 
Natasha Romanov, Black Widow or whatever. She's just a human that can kick butts. You know, Tony Stark, okay, he could be considered superpowered because he's got the armor to make him more than just a man. Hawkeye just shoots well, uh, which they do say is a meta-human power somehow. I don't know. He didn't get it from anything. He's just trained a lot, I suppose. But yeah, it's it's weird where you've got that distinction. Like, you know, with, with the Arrowverse, you know, the meta-humans are the ones that have a g- genetic anomaly that, you know, makes them a mutant or whatever and the same you know it's yeah you can't really regulate against well you that's yeah like you say batman is batman a human he's not he's not a meta human he's He's just a human with a lot of money and some gadgets and stuff well he's got the superpower of money yeah exactly but you can't regulate against that because then there won't be any sort of rich people left um yeah yeah. jeremy corbyn would but yeah yeah (laughs) or alan from this film (laughs) yeah exactly but um yeah it's one of those things i think this is one of the films that's done it quite well and i think that's what brings me back to the whole x-men thing you know like the whole fox universe of the x-men and it was just very much like um just you know like these people you know mutants were meant to be persecuted but it all seemed very camp it all seemed a bit sort of you know slap on the wrist or whatever and it's like oh secret yeah. government organizations whereas this one because it had that higher rating i don't even know what the rating was on this but it, it got it down to the dirty and grittiness it got into the sort of people living on the edge you know the, what people des- what desperate people would do to survive rather than oh let's have a you know a standoff between a basic godlike person that can control metal and a few beat cops outside a train station um you know which was one of the highlights of the first x-men film and it's just like really um uh, it was a 12 by the way what this one yeah apparently so oh wow oh no yeah. hold on, no, that's, no that's a different film breaks <laughs> that's, yeah that's that but that's the thing so it's you know they've obviously 15 15 oh, you know okay, yeah yeah so so by bump it, bumping it a bit, they can kind of go into darker places, which is I think what you need for this whole you know idea of prejudice, persecution, you know p- people living on the edge. Um, was was Brightburn a fifteen? Because that's obviously something that has got similar vibes there. Brightburn was t- proper twisted, but I enjoyed it. So that I found was the though as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I think. So I found the um the Stephen King book I was talking about. Oh cool. It's called The Regulators. Um, and it was done under a pen name of Richard Backman. And it's about a kid that gets possessed by some sort of omniscient being that then the kid's interested in some sort of cartoon. And he basically starts manifesting the characters from that cartoon and cowboys and God knows what. Um, and then people in the village realize what's going on and they have to try and solve it without him knowing, even though he's omniscient um, and stuff like that. So it's a proper messed up. This is this film, this, you know, the little girl from this film, if it went to the nth degree. This is what it might end up like, you know, a person basically taking over a town and killing everyone. Um, and that was that was a proper messed up book. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone because I literally. Yeah, it I, sounds, I, sounds like my kind of thing, to be honest. I spent most of the holiday messed up and like not really knowing or wanting to talk to anyone. I mean, probably because I was in a hot country, but that book didn't help. Yeah, that's just you. That's just you normally, to be honest. Yeah, true. <laughs> Especially in a hot country, whilst reading psychological thrillers uh, or horrors, but um, yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there must. I mean, this and Brightburn seem to be starting like a whole genre of like darker super people. I think Code Eight was kind of like glossing along. Oh, it, that was still quite twee, wasn't it? That was very much TV movie, whereas this is more gritty thriller. Yeah, it's kind of like. I mean, when people think about kind of more. R-rated, you know, to use the American terminology, um, American uh, superhero films. Obviously, everyone cites Deadpool. Um, Logan. But that's 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 yeah, and Logan as well to some degree. Um, but I think they're kind of it's almost like they're the only thing that they've got that makes them R-rated is the violence, where it's not so much like Deadpool certainly isn't a gritty story. Logan, I mean, the fact that Logan's set like post-apocalyptic almost, isn't it? That kind of makes it completely different anyway. Yeah. I think what we're missing like, is these gritty stories that are gritty, but not just purely stylistic violence and crude humour like Deadpool is, but ba- and, not, and still based in current times, if you like, unlike Logan. Um, exactly, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's basically, it's stylized. It's not, it's basically, it's grounded in now, but it's got that edge, you know, and it's got that sort of darkness that we don't have you know like this you basically we basically need like the batman begins of 
X-Men movies or like, you know, that sort of, you know, that sort of thing. It's kind of like, you know, give them a dark origin, give them, because uh, I don't know, I watched the first season of Legion, which was trying to dance around this. And I think because of the whole trippiness, it didn't really, you couldn't really have as much empathy with the character or with, the, with what was going on. Legion, Legion is just completely unlike anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's kind of like, and that's people are like, oh, that's one of the best X-Men things out there. Probably, but simply because, you know, I don't know. It just, it, I mean, that was a head head messed up as well. But it was, you just need something, you know, like how hard is it to get a, 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 you know, a posh finishing school, a rich guy recruiting a bunch of students to come to the school <laughs> from an area, you know, from situations like this. So, you know, you have situations where they're being hunted down by the police or whatever, and they come into some of, I don't know, it's just something or just a bunch of revolutionaries or something like that rather than it just being this camp leather bound whatever i don't know i mean in terms of like tv series i think the currently the tv series the kind of similar kind of vibe to this the closest i'd say is the boys yeah even though that's yeah they're on the alpha side of the fence isn't it but um yeah, they're kind of obviously and obviously that's a lot more violent but it doesn't feel like it's violent it's not like tarantino-esque violence which is violence as an art form it's just violent because it's a violent story if you see what i mean yeah and it's it's kind of the violence fits into the world that they're describing because of the fact that this is a darker take on superheroes yeah Um, yeah and speaking of tarantino i'm going to go off on a weird real little aside here you know like tarantino does yeah yeah so yeah, you know um, Tarantino's whole shtick is like he's basically emulating the films he liked as a kid, uh, and the genres and all that jazz. Do you think at some point people will start emulating films from the nineties? Um, you know, like, there'll be kind of a, a resurgence of the nineties type movies, and whatever. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, this is kind of like what I was saying in an earlier earlier episode about how directors directors always make films about what they were into growing up and how how like. At the moment, it's all directors who grew up in the 80s, so it's a big backlash against capitalism and greed is good and all that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the flip side of that is, like you say, obviously Tarantino is all about his kung fu films and all that. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. I mean, and, you know, what kind of 90s films would it be? Uh, you know, that 90s was obviously the era of the big block blockbuster, I'd say. So you've got your Independence Day, you've got your Jurassic Park, films like that. Um, so Which are we it- going to... Yeah, which are returning to the box office. I suppose there's already that sort of nostalgia trip. But I was thinking more like the thrillers. Like, oh, we were flicking a channel and we were, I saw Indecent Proposal. And it's just like, but like, I mean, as you know, cringeworthy as that is, that's actually a real executed film. And then like, yeah. you know, like it's kind of like this thrillers that they just don't make anymore, which is kind of like, you know, it's quite thinky. There's kind of a lot, you know, I don't know. It's just a sort of the pacing of it and the characterization of it and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, you know, we don't have those sort of character driven pieces anymore. Or if they do, they're so niche that no one hears about them. Um, I feel like maybe these days if a director or a writer or whatever wants to do that, I think I feel like they go into TV now. Yeah. Um, whereas previously, you know, if you wanted to get TV, you had to do a 24 episode season. And it had to be 43 minutes and it had you had to put in the cuts for breaks as well. Yeah. Um, whereas now you don't, you're not restricted to that. You know, we've had all the great TV shows of the of the noughties, like the way for you know prestige TV. So yeah, I think that that kind of thing has just moved on to TV now. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, when you look at that, so maybe the people that grew up on those sort of films uh, and liking that sort of thriller or whatever, are just applying it in the television genre instead. And t- basically, films have just been left for big budget big budget blockbusters and indie rubbish yeah 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 Yeah, and you know tv shows don't even have to be massively long form i mean you've got the miniseries now and i'm in the middle of watching um the plot against america at the moment which is kind of like imagining world war ii it's kind of like man in the high castle alternative history if america not didn't get conquered by the nazis but just went fascist of their own accord oh wow (laughs) yeah um, and it's quite funny because a lot of it kind of like the language used is kind of like phrases from recent American politics. And they're not saying, oh, they're not saying, oh, current American politics is going to be fascist. What They're just saying, you know, these phrases we have heard wouldn't be entirely out of place back then. So, so it's, it's not, it's, so it's not a... saying it is going to go that way, but it's saying, you know, there are parallels. 
So is this basically as a response to the basically Trump's US? Is kind of this this show has become about like oh look we could have gone fascist in the past but we didn't. Um, but well, I mean lots of people are saying maybe it is a response to that, but it's based on a book that was written in 2004 or something. So, but you know maybe the maybe the choice to um, uh, adapt it. it now is, yeah. is to do with that. But you know I don't I'm, I'm not going to hate on it and say oh they're just doing this as a uh, thingy because of Trump, you know, you know, it partly is obviously because that, you know, people do get inspired by what's going on around them to kind of make points. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm finding it an interesting show anyway. It's um all about Charles Lind- Charles Lindbergh, the guy who flew across the Atlantic first time round. He's basically the Oswald Mosley of American politics, apparently. He's what? <laughs> he, so he's the you know yeah, 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 he's the fascist apparently. Well, because apparently back in um in actual history he was kind of like an outspoken like isolationist pacifist in american government in the 30s or not he wasn't in government but he was just kind of like a celebrity who had those views um but no in in this tv series and in the book the the bit that changes he actually runs for president and he wins Um, so yeah how and how long is this how many episodes is this yeah sorry back to the original point as to why i brought it up yeah it's, it's only six episodes so yeah that's why that's why tv can be um shorter form so that's like six hours which is not a big commitment really yeah and obviously it's longer than a film but it allows you more space for that character driven stuff without having to do the 24-hour epics that previously you were obliged to do on tv and it's you know these days they don't force you to do another season either whereas previously they might have done yeah i mean this is all good i mean it's um yeah it just goes to show that you don't need you know, like if you've got a story to tell, if you can squeeze it into six episodes, fair enough. Just do that and get on with it. You know, move on with your life, sort of thing. Yeah, cool. I mean, I d- yeah, I don't know how we got onto that, but that was just me having <laughs> an aside about nineties thrillers. Um, no, it was good stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I feel like obviously do do we want to see a freaks too i don't particularly want to i think it would spoil it i think part of the whole what was so great about this film was uh, the way the slow reveal was what was so great about it there's nothing left to reveal really about this world uh, we know what's up now um it would just turn into some kind of hunger games nonsense about the metahumans fighting against the power and stuff um yeah. so yeah i'm zero interest in freaks too i've not heard anything about it hopefully they'll they'll leave it there <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's, it's not really worth um, opening up that can, looking at that world again, because it's, you know, the job's done. It was a good film yeah, in isolation. Yeah, we've learned all we have to learn about that film, I think. Yeah. I'm just going to look at who the director was to see what else they've done, because that might be quite interesting to see whether there's anything else worth um, looking oh. at. Yeah. Zach Lipovsky, Freaks, Mech X4, oh dear, Afflicted, it was a producer. So nothing so far. Dead Rising, associate producer. I wonder if that was... Oh. Group of people fight to survive a zombie-infested town. Oh, well, there's actual series of that. Yeah, Dead Rising's the game. Yeah, there was a um, web series, I think. I didn't watch it, though, which is weird, given I love the game. I I don't know, I'm kind of always a bit wary of media based on games. It's on Prime Video, so if you were were interested, you could have a watch of that. I don't know whether it's yeah, good. To, to be honest with you, Prime Video is not always a, a signifier of quality, is it? Well, you know, <laughs> if we if we base it on this film, it could be like you know you could say that he's got some taste, but um, yeah, yeah <laughs> true. It could just be anything on there, couldn't it? I feel yeah. like Amazon Prime either it's really good or just absolute dross. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, unless it's one of those sort of proper film from a proper company, I typically don't bother on there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, I've got our next film in mind. I'll tell you off the off the line. All right. Excellent. I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's um, I think that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. Time to, uh, time to this bad boy. Yeah. And uh, next time we might be wearing a mask. We might not, depending on what Boris <laughs> decides. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll flip a coin and then ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, cheers, Stu, as always, for joining me. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Check out Facebook, Instagram uh, for our next film. Um, and, yeah, uh, catch you next time on Geek Bites.